Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and three films up for review this week. It is the Matrix Resurrections, the long-awaited, question mark, Matrix sequel, sequel, sequel. There's also Being the Ricardos, which is the Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz, Aaron Sorkin biopic, and Sing to the animated singing extravaganza. First up is The Matrix Resurrections, and the number one question I have about this film is why? Why did we make this film? The second and third sequels were already challenging enough, I admittedly have not seen them, since I think they came out with good reason, and I think that might go for a fair number of people. I know there are a lot of Matrix fans out there, and, you know, more power to you, but The Matrix Resurrections tries to get ahead of the idea of why it even has a bunch of jokes about it, but the problem is, it makes the jokes, but then it's also the butt of its own jokes, because it does all of the things that it thinks it's making fun of, and so it's almost sad to see, it's like, yeah, you are trying to be self-aware, but you are failing so hard at it because you're playing into all of the problems that you yourself have outlined. And at the end of the day, I just felt like, you know, it's one thing if Lana Wachowski is trying to say something new with this film, but I didn't feel that at all. It's just a rehashing of all of the plot points and a lot of the same sequences that we saw in the first few movies. And so it's like, this is just a cash grab, you know, it's an unfulfilling cash grab. Now, was I happy to see Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss again? Of course I was. I love them so much. You know, Keanu is Keanu has hit a new level of acting where it's just Keanu-ness. And I don't think I appreciated that the first time I watched The Matrix because he wasn't Keanu yet, right? He was just sort of a wooden, surfy actor. And so watching this now, having, you know, decades passed... I felt even warmer towards him than I did in the original ones. In fact, I wasn't hugely on board with the first ones, or I didn't think he was anything special. Now watching it, I'm like, okay, I love Keanu, fine. And same goes for Carrie Ann Moss. You know, I think she actually is stronger in this film than she has been in other ones. And I think it's partially because she has been given more. But really, I, so the other problem is I had not seen the original Matrix probably since it came out or maybe like, you know, the DVD release of it after. And I was so lost going into it. Obviously, I understand the conceit of The Matrix. I remember some of the main points, but there are so many recycled bits in this that I was just like, am I supposed to think this is important? Am I supposed to know who that is? And then the other problem is you've got recycled bits, but then you've also got new people slated in because some people either didn't want to come back or weren't asked back. I don't know, but those absences were definitely felt. You know, they've introduced a bunch of new people with Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Jonathan Groff, Jessica Henwick, Neil Patrick Harris, Priyanka Chopra Jones. But the entire time I was just like, some of them are supposed to be people we met before, some of them are not, or we don't know. And it's just the entire time I was scratching my head going, I, I don't know, but I also don't care. And the movie becomes so meta at points that it just gets lost in its own feeling of cleverness, but it's not actually that clever at a lot of the points. It just... Uh, it was messy. It made me sad. You know, I don't think the action improved astronomically in the amount of time that has passed. There are a couple sequences that feel like a mega action blockbuster, but they're few and far between. And I also don't know how this happened, but it feels like the CG actually got cheaper in this one. Like, I would say this is applicable to the robots in particular. And I went back and I watched the original Matrix after having seen this. And I was like, okay, technically speaking, you know, the CG has improved. But I think they went wild with it because they're like, oh, we can do all these things now. Let's just throw all this stuff in. But it doesn't serve a plot point. You know, it almost felt like I don't know 
how what the how big the toy market is for the Matrix, but it almost felt like some of these things were being inserted because they're like, oh, we can make a cute toy of that. And cute and Matrix are not two things I usually equate with each other. So I might end up being in a minority where I just resent this film. I don't, I, I, I have to say, I don't love the original Matrix and particularly the sequels enough to be like a, considered a super fan. So maybe it's, it's quite possible this film isn't for me. You know, I fully acknowledge that. But as someone who was generally a fan of it and also, you know, appreciates the impact it did have on sci-fi, I think actually oh, the way a lot of people think about things like the meta Metaverse. I can't believe I'm saying that, but nothing new is brought to the table with this film, and it kind of tarnishes the innovation that the first one, and I, I will just say the first one had. And also, anytime you undo a major ending, it's like, what are the stakes? There are no stakes because now I just worry that nothing matters, right? Because anybody can come back, anybody can do whatever. It's all just to keep taking money out of our pockets, and I don't like that. I don't like giving my money to things that don't have a story to tell. So at one point during the movie, I scribbled, I think I hate this movie, which is such a bummer because I was looking forward to it, but I also just had a sense that it was very unlikely that it was going to be anything than a nostalgic cash grab, which it is. Again, I think if you're a super fan, you're going to enjoy all the Easter eggs, all that type of stuff. I don't think it's accessible to people who have not seen the original Matrix trilogy. I do think that's important. You know, again, even being someone who saw it and had a lot of time lapse, I was still confused at parts, in part because I think a lot of the plot defies logic. So that's its own problem. But, you know, it jumps in and it's just going with all this tech gobbledygook language. And I'm just like, what is happening here? You know, is this something that I missed from the original? And then again, having gone back, no, it's not. It's just making it even more gibberish and convoluted. So major bummer. I would almost just say, go back and rewatch The Matrix. You know, also, this movie, 30 minutes too long. This has been a problem with a lot of the movies I've seen lately. Just just because you are being allowed to make a movie that's long doesn't mean you should. Take another editing pass at it. I personally am going to give this 2.7 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. And then the next film I have is Being the Ricardos. It's Aaron Sorkin's Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz biopic. And this is another one that I kind of struggled with, you know, also very long. Ironically, I expected it to be even longer, but it is shorter than The Matrix Resurrections. It stars Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball and Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. And I, that from the get-go, pretty much lost me. You know, I, they do all these recreations of some of the classic Lucy scenes in it. And I know that this movie was made just so they could have... Nicole Kidman reenact those scenes but I'm like we know those scenes already and the way that they come about in the plot is just it feels so just shoehorned in it tells the story of Lucia Ball coming under fire for possibly being a communist during the McCarthy era and you know I just I didn't love the edit that it gave Lucia Ball I don't know a lot about Lucia Ball aside from the fact that she was obviously a TV pioneer you know I do think that this film weirdly is imbalanced and I I think it gives Desi a more generous edit than it gives her. And I'm not saying that Lucille Ball was a delightful human being. I don't know. In fact, I think there's a documentary coming out about her and it sounds like she may have been a taskmaster and all this stuff. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was being more generous to the to Lucille Ball than I expected. But, you know, when she is the headliner of the show, I love Lucy, you'd think it would focus more on her. But I feel like it's obsessed with trying to show his impact on it, which, I, you know, I guess it's fine, but it just feels like it's being billed as a Nicole Kidman, Lucille Ball thing. And, and you know, part of it is probably because it's written by Aaron Sorkin, who is a man who I don't think writes women very well. I'm just going to throw it out there. He's written some women very well, but at the end of the day, I do think he gravitates towards male roles, all that stuff. You know, the rest of the cast is J.K. Simmons, Tony Hale, Aaliyah Shawkat, Jake Lacey, and I just... 
I just, it didn't jive for me. I think there's going to be a generation, maybe like two generations older than me who are going to enjoy it just because they like seeing that time and that place. And it does feel very much like a period piece. You know, I do think they paid attention to detail. I think he's one of those directors who got obsessed with the production and all that type of thing and just let other things slip as a byproduct. I didn't particularly enjoy watching the film. I feel like there were way too many themes and subplots all jammed together. And I think there have been times when Aaron Sorkin can do that type of story and weave it together well and have it culminate in something that makes sense and has it pay off. But this one just did not feel like it. And also, I'm just, I'm sorry, Nicole Kidman does not have the comedy chops to play Lucille Ball. Even when she's giving her best attempt to ape Lucille Ball and those super classic moments, it just, it feels wrong. I just, I don't know why they chose her. Javier Bardem is fine as Desi. I say that because I don't know that much about Desi Arnaz. You know, Javier Bardem has like a magnetism about him. I'm going to assume that Desi Arnaz also had a similar magnetism about him, but he also plays the character or at least the character is written, feels like very one note. And again, I just I just feel like the movie was obsessed with showing her as subordinate or showing them as a team when I'm like, I don't, I, why are you taking this away from one of the most powerful women in TV history? And also, you know, you don't have to make her into a saint, but this is making her look just like an asshole where it seems like based on his actions, you know, there are plenty of times where he was probably also deserving of an equally harsh cut and doesn't get it in this film. So I, you know, I think... If you're a Lucy mega fan, if you're a Sorkin mega fan, maybe this might be for you, but everybody else just stay away. You know, it's on Amazon Prime. And if you're feeling really bored, maybe you can put it on in the background. I personally am going to give this one 2.8 out of 5. I'm ranking it higher than The Matrix only because I at least felt like The Matrix might have potential because it's something I did enjoy the original of. This one, I'm like, okay, I didn't go in with the expectations. I actually went in with very low expectations because when you tell me Nicole Kidman's going to play Lucille Ball, I'm like, mm, this isn't going to be good. But the squandered potential of The Matrix is what gives it a lower rating for me. And then the last film I have this week, and it's such a, such a different vein, is Sing 2. And you want to talk about a film that requires you to see the original. And I can't believe I'm saying that about a children's animated film. And there are many films that are animated that are not just for children or child-friendly. This one, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know a childless adult I would recommend this to. I would maybe recommend putting the soundtrack on, but I wouldn't recommend watching the film. It picks up pretty quickly after the first sing left off. And again, my, I haven't seen the first sing since it came out in theaters, but I remember being fine. You know, it's a very, like, we got to put on a show. It's a plot out of any Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland movie. You know, we got to put on a show to save the barn. We got to put on a show to save the whatever. So that that was the first one. Or it was like people auditioning to be in the show. I don't even remember, but it wasn't important. This time, they're going to Animal Vegas, essentially. And again, this film does not give you any backstory. I don't even remember if it gave... I don't even think it gave you like a quick recap of the first one. It's just like... Hey, this is a group of people who work together and sing and they're going to put on a show now in Vegas. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you remember their relationships to each other. We don't care. This is a jukebox musical with colorful animated characters. You're, you have kids. There's nothing else coming out. Suck it up. You're going to have to watch it. That was really, I felt like their ethos going into this film and it shows. And, you know, it still has a huge, huge voice cast. Matthew McConaughey's back, Reese Witherspoon, Scarlett Johansson, Taron Egerton, Nick Kroll, and then you've got Bobby Cannavale, Tori Kelly, Pharrell, Halsey, Chelsea Peretti. And then the big, big get for this one was Bono. And, okay, Bono, Bono can certainly sing. Bono cannot act. And I'm also like, okay, well, 
the idea, the plot is, you know, they they go to Vegas, they put on the show, they get funding based on the idea that they are going to get Bono's character to be a part of it. But Bono's character is this reclusive, retired lion rock star, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do shows anymore. All this stuff. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm a, I'm a big U2 fan, you know, or at least the earlier stuff. I don't know if I love what they're doing now, but teach their own. I was thinking about, okay, every other song in this is super poppy. It's super new. You know, it's very modern. And then you've got the U2 catalog in it, which is obviously why you cast Bono, right? Because you get access to the U2 catalog. But I was like, who is this trying to appeal to? Because I almost feel like the parents who are going to take their kids to this are too young to be U2 fans in that vicarious of a way. Like, I just either had to be another musical act or pop star or whatever out there whose song catalog they could get access to that would be more relevant and also has a better singer slash voice actor you know someone who can also sing and do the voice acting than you two slash bono like it just it, it did not make any sense to me in something full of all of these super modern modern songs to use like the u2 classics catalog <laughs> and then have and then cast Bono like again I think if you went up to anybody under the age of 20 you were like name me a U2 song I don't know if they could do it maybe some of them could but anyway that was it was just bonkers and then some of the sequences in it I would love to have whatever the crew or the storyboard artist whatever I would love whatever of some of whatever they were smoking or taking because I was just like what in the psychedelic hell is happening here. It doesn't make any sense. There's shows within the show. There's a musical within this musical that just, I, I almost, I had to pinch myself being like, is this actually happening in a movie right now? There's like an onstage fight that's a real fight. I don't, this movie makes no sense. The soundtrack is fine and enjoyable. I, you know, the plot is paper thin. The animation is fine. As I said, there are some super bizarre sequences. In fact, I will take it back. The only uh, childless adults I will recommend this to are heavy drug users because you might have a great time on this, depending on what's legal where you are. Maybe some shrooms, maybe some weed. I don't know. But just, I, you know, those are the only other people without kids that I would su possibly even suggest this to. And also, I gotta say, you know, I feel like... Almost all the actors are phoning it in. No offense to them. I don't blame them. They were probably contractually obligated to do the sequel or they were told, hey, you only have to do a really, really short bit in this because a lot of the scenes, it feels like they wrote a lot of the, there's like a Mrs. Crawley character who's voiced by the director who I feel like they gave a lot of scenes to because it was filler and it didn't require the like expensive voice talent. So sing to if you're a parent it's a fine film. You're probably not going to watch this. You might listen in the background while your kids watch it, but I don't think you're going to be like, what a fun bonding experience for the whole fam. If you are a childless adult and this is appealing to you, you know what? You might have a great time. I, I, I'm not one to judge. If you are a childless adult who does, who wants to go on a, a trip, this might also be for you, but everybody else, you know, maybe listen to the soundtrack. You know, if you want some poppy remix jukebox stuff, that's fine. But for everyone else, this is going to be a pass for you. That all being said, because it made no sense, but it did not try to be anything more than it presents itself as. It knows what it is. It knows it's a cash grab. It knows it's a sequel. All of these things and the music is good. I'm going to give it a 2.9 out of 5 for what it is. That has been it for this episode. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing. 